Hello everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill, and welcome to Plain Market Talk, where I will provide a straightforward interpretation and analysis of current market news based on my background as a retired Wall Street stockbroker with almost 50 years of experience. And I will also provide business lessons to help you become much more successful with your personal finance, trading, and investments. So let's get started. Hey everyone, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bill. Welcome to Plain Market Talk. Today is Wednesday, September 28, 2022. Okay, we'll talk about what's going on with the markets. Uh, last time I mentioned that England is looking to go to Reaganomics. There's been absolute chaos with their financial system since then, particularly with the bond markets as well as currency markets. We'll see what's going on with that. Uh, Biogen stock is up uh, over 37% on reports that an Alzheimer drug they have developed uh, is showing uh, great, great results in trials. Uh, we also uh, have news that the Securities and Exchange Commission has begun fining major brokerage firms regarding uh, personal texts between stockbrokers. So we'll see what's going on with that. Today, I also wanna talk about the big inflation report coming out on Friday, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, uh, and what makes that different than the Consumer Price Index. Okay, first, as far as the markets, it's 1.33 in the afternoon Eastern time, and the markets are up. Right now, we have the Dow Jones Industrial Average up 1.62%, uh, Standard & Poor's 500 up 1.63%, and the NASDAQ Composite up 1.48%. Uh, yesterday, the markets hit their yearly lows for 2022, so we may have what's known as bargain hunting going on, investors moving in. Um, taking advantage of the lower prices. Also, uh, the Bank of England is moving in to try to stabilize their financial system. Uh, wh what has happened? You know, last time I talked about Reaganomics, as it's called, uh, England announced a few days ago. They've got high inflation over there and economic stagnation. Uh, they're looking to stimulate their economy by reducing income taxes. The idea is it puts more money in people's pocket, gets the, um, the opportunity to begin spending. 70% uh, of the United States economy is consumer spending, and it, it is a similar high number over there in England also. Uh, this news is specifically uh, to England, but it is also carrying over to Great Britain as well as the United Kingdom. Uh, many of you do perhaps know the difference, but England is the southern two-thirds of the main island. Wales is usually included with England. When you include Scotland, it is called Great Britain. And when you add Northern Ireland, it is called the United Kingdom. And the flag, the Union Jack, as it's called, uh, is actually all three of their flags combined. It is the English flag on top of the Scottish flag with then the Northern Irish flag added on top of those two. And you get the uh, flag popularly known as the Union Jack, although I don't think it's ever been officially called that, but that's what everybody pretty much calls it. But anyway. Uh, so here's what's happened. Uh, since that news broke, and investors have been selling British pounds, uh, and they're basically moving to other currencies, uh, U.S. dollars in particular, euros, Japanese yen. Uh, and that's creating chaos with their financial system. Another day I'll talk about how currency exchange markets work. Uh, also, uh, they've been selling bonds, selling government bonds. Bonds are loans to governments or corporations. Uh, they've been selling those right and left because the feeling is that with a reduction uh, of their income from the income taxes, the government, the government of England, may possibly run into issues that doesn't have enough money to pay its debts in the future, 
or it may have to begin printing money to pay back its debt, which leads to higher inflation. The more you print, um, the less value it has. It's a little bit more complex than actually printing the money, but think of it like that. Uh, so anyway, that's been going on over there, but the Bank of England is moving in now to try to stabilize things. Because see, the problem there, as I mentioned last time, the theory of Reaganomics, if our government uh, decreases its revenue source, uh, in order to keep its budget somewhat balanced, it either has to reduce spending or it has to begin heavily borrowing to make up the deficits. And then the theory being that when the economy revives, it'll get the money back eventually from higher income taxes as people are simply making more money. Uh, but anyway, all right, so we got that going on. So we'll have to keep an eye on that whole situation. So it's kind of a mess over there. Okay, so we got uh, on Friday the uh, big inflation report, the PCE, Personal Consumption Expenditures uh, Index, heavily looked at by the Federal Reserve. Uh, I think they're looking at like 6.7% annualized inflation. I'd have to check on what that exactly is, but regardless. Um, what makes it different than the better known consumer price index? Okay, there is a difference. Uh, the uh, Consumer Price Index looks at a basket of goods, about 400 uh, products and services purchased by the average household. Um, and they look primarily though at urban households, people that live in cities. Um, and it, it is weighted. Uh, in other words, on a typical month, a person will spend more on a mortgage or rent than they would on toothpaste. So you know, it is weighted towards what the average person, how much they spend. Okay, the PCE, Personal Consumption Expenditures Index, first of all, the Consumer Price Index is put out by the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and the PCE is put out by the Bureau of Economic Analysis. So if you ever want to see the raw reports, bls.gov for the CPI, and bea, Bureau of Economic Analysis.gov for the PCE. Okay, what it does, the PCE is broader. It, it not only looks at households that live in cities, but also small towns and farms. It also factors in from the producer standpoint, what are they paying to seller? Also, the PCE takes into account things that consumers get, but don't directly pay for, but they indirectly pay for, like company health insurance and so forth. Uh, also, the PCE is a little bit faster to change uh, than the Consumer Price Index. A criticism of the Consumer Price Index over the years, it's been around since 1913, uh, although they have done a lot better with it the last few years, is the substitution effect. And I've talked about this on previous sessions. Uh, if you're used to going into Starbucks every day and spending $3 on coffee, and you go in one day and it's $40, well, the, the CPI just factors in coffee's now $40, but in reality, the consumer would probably just switch to tea or hot chocolate or something, the substitution effect. Also, that basket of goods with the CPI, um, they uh, I know they're working to update it every year now. It used to be every few years. It's a little slow to change. I remember when we had DVD players out for several years back in the early 2000s. And they still had uh, VCRs listed as one of the items. So anyway, that's the uh, PCE, Personal Consumption Expenditures Index. That's the next thing the market will focus on. And then, uh, then we have, with the quarter ending on Friday, we'll have corporate earnings start to come about a week, probably end of next week, um, and then the week after. Market will focus on that. Banks will probably come first. Their financials are the most straightforward to put together. But the market's going to want to look at what the, the company's coming out 
not only are what are their current profits uh, and sales look like, but what are they saying about the upcoming months? All right, so we have that. Uh, yeah, Biogen, uh, yeah, they announced very positive results from an Alzheimer drug they have developed. Uh, so hopefully that, that ends up working out. Uh, their symbols, B-I-I-B, boy, Ida, Ida, boy. And the stock is right now up 37.79%. It is an expensive stock, $272.52 a share right now. Uh, but it is up to over $74. Now, here's the thing. I've talked about in previous sessions, the markets tend to overreact, particularly on the downside. You know, when there's negative news, the market sells off too much and then recovers. It does that on the upside also, particularly with biotechnology stocks. Uh, they usually go up quite a bit and then pull back. Uh, so just always be aware of that. If you ever hear news and a stock is suddenly had shot up, uh, you may want to hold off and see if it pulls back some. And that's what we, exactly what we have. The opening today, it just not closed at $197.79 a share uh, yesterday, opened at $282.96. And now it's down about $10 from that to $272 and now $0.16 cents as I look at it. Okay, so we got that. Um, Securities and Exchange Commission. Uh, they're, they're fining some major brokerage firm because of um, not keeping accurate records of communications between their stockbrokers. See, since the 1930s, all communications between stockbrokers at brokerage firms, financial firms, and so forth, uh, are required to be kept. Um, another day I'll talk more about specifics on that, but it, the reason to prevent collusion among brokers with setting prices. Um, and so basically when we began to have um, email technology, well, everything was you know kept. Uh, you're supposed to communicate through company email. Well, today the brokers are texting each other on their personal you know, phones. And the SEC starting to find these firms. You're not keeping track of this. How could they, I guess? It's going to be hard. So you may see brokerage firms start cracking down on their stockbrokers saying, look, communication is supposed to be through our email system where we can keep records of this. Uh, but anyway, so I saw that. So we'll have to see what happens there. And that, that's always a challenge with the SEC, Securities Exchange Commission, keeping up with technology. Okay, so we had that news also. All right, so let's today uh, talk about you know, I'll start today and I'll talk about it over the next few sessions. Uh, we'll talk about the standard NPORS 500, S&P 500. All right, so uh, a little bit of a history lesson on it first. Uh, this was actually once two companies, uh, PORS and then standard uh, statistics. All right, so a uh, guy named Henry Poor, uh, way back in 1860, it's interesting that that was his last name, Poor, and yet he forms one of the most enduring successful financial companies ever. Anyway, he formed Poor's Publishing back in 1860, concentrating on the railroad industry. Uh, and so he had that company back in 1860. And then in 1906, we had a company called Standard Statistics formed, and they began rating bonds, bonds again, loans to governments and corporations. Uh, which they still do even today. I've got all these lessons on bonds another day. It's a whole big area of the investment market. Uh, bond market's actually bigger than the stock market. A lot of people don't know that. But bonds are loans to governments or corporations, but they have ratings. Um, one, way, one rating uh, service uh, does it with AAA all the way down to C-. But 
That would actually be Standard & Poor's. Uh, but anyway, uh, we have companies that rate bonds, three of them primarily, Standard & Poor's, Moody's, and Fitch. But we'll talk about that another day. But Standard Statistics, 1906. Uh, and then they developed a, a stock market index of 90 stocks back to 1926. And then in 1941, the two companies formed, uh, emerged to form Standard & Poor's, Standard Statistics and Poor's Publishing. So they, 1941, they became Standard & Poor's. All right. So we now move to the 1950s. And I remember, you know, back in the day, even my early days as a stockbroker, the Dow Jones Company and Standard & Poor's did not get along. Dow Jones Company publishes the Wall Street Journal, and they had the Dow Jones Industrial Average. Two companies just did not get along. Uh, they get along a lot better today and even have a business relationship with each other. But a loud criticism Standard & Poor's had of the Dow Jones Industrial Average was that it was only 30 stocks out of the today 6,100 that trade between the New York Stock Exchange and the electronic trading system, NASDAQ. And they said, well, look, no matter how big those companies are, it's only 30. So in 1957, they came up with a 500 stock index, Standard & Poor's 500, it, also known as the S&P 500. What it is, it's made up of the 500 largest publicly traded American companies. Uh, and these are 500 of the world's largest corporations. Uh, if you're ever interested, you can just use Google or whatever search engine you like to use and type in S&P 500 list, L-I-S-T, and it comes up. And you're even okay looking at the list on Wikipedia because I happen to know they get that directly from Standard & Poor's. And so anyway, it started on uh, March 4th, 1957, and it was given a random number of 50. It's calculated differently than the Dow Jones Industrial Average, which is an average of the prices. Uh, the prices certainly matter with the S&P 500, but a little bit more uh, complex the way they do it. And what it is, it is a uh, market capitalization weighted average. What does that mean? Market capitalization, what that is, it's the total value of a company on the stock market. You know, I was talking about how to read stock prices recently. I mentioned that. Uh, basically, you take the total number of shares that make up a company, and then what you do is you multiply by the current share price, and you come up with what's known as its market cap or market capitalization. Now, this is not especially how big a company is, although there is a lot of correlation. We usually measure how big a company is by their yearly sales. And in that measure, that Walmart would be the world's largest corporation. Uh, however, when we look at it by market cap or market capitalization, well, now that then, then it's going to be Apple in this case. So. Uh, that's what market capitalization is. So bo bottom line with the Standard & Poor's 500 is the big companies count more than the small ones. All right, so today, and again, there's a committee like with Dow Jones. They do sometimes make changes to the average. Uh, I would guess from when I started, I've been doing this since 1975, there's probably only 150 companies today that are still in it that were there back then. Uh, you know, I've seen companies get kicked out, like companies you probably never heard of anymore, but they were big ones. International Harvester, Bethlehem Steel, um, just a bunch of them, uh, get kicked out and be replaced over the years by Microsoft, Apple, um, Intel, Amazon, and so forth. All right. Uh, but here's the thing. 
even though uh, S&P says, well, we got 500 stocks. First of all, these 500 stocks, it's technically 501 because Google has two stocks in there, a class A and a class C stock. Uh, Google's official name is Alphabet. Uh, even though they're only 500 of the approximately 6,100 stocks to trade on the U.S. stock markets, 2,800 on the New York Stock Exchange, 3,300 on the electronic trading system NASDAQ, so only about 8% of the total. These companies are so big, they represent 70% of the total value of the U.S. stock market. So to a large extent, you're already getting uh, you're already getting um, the good portion of the market with this with this index. All right, but here's the thing. Last thing today, and I'll talk more about this on the next session, including a lot of investments tied into this. Over 5.4 trillion dollars in investments, whose performance is tied into the S and P 500. Even though there's 500 stocks and they're 70 percent of the U.S. stock market, the top 10 because their market caps or capitalization is so big actually represent 27.8% um, of this entire index. This entire index is moved by just 10 stocks, 27.8% uh, of it is at least. Uh, and here they are in order. And then again, on the next session, I'll talk more about, more about this. Uh, but here they are uh, in order. They are Apple, Microsoft, Alphabet, that's Google, Amazon, Tesla, Berkshire Hathaway, that's Warren Buffett's company, United Health, Johnson & Johnson, uh, Exxon and ExxonMobil. Uh, just to give you some historical numbers to wrap things up, I looked it up. If you'd put uh, a $1 investment in the S&P 500 is worth at the end of 2021 about $234. So uh, about 50 years, you would go from $1 to $234. And, and back to the PCE report, the inflation numbers, uh, as far as the consumer price index, if you go back 100 years from today, um, prices are 17.5 times higher than 100 years ago. And if you go back to the founding of the Consumer Price Index in 1913, it's actually 30 times higher. So if something costs a dollar in 1913, about $30 today, a dollar in 1922, about $17.5. So anyway, all right, so we're gonna wrap things up. Every, uh, wrap things up, hope everybody's doing well, and we'll get back to it with the next session. Again, it's Bill Thompson, T-Bell, and I'll talk to everybody again soon. Take care, see ya.